seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... What's up, friends? Welcome to episode 218 of Color Magic, your magic gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Aquan Watson, and for 218 episodes, still got my main man, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? Uh, going well. I think I'm nearly finished with Christmas shopping till my wife reminds me of somebody we probably forgot about, but... <laughs> I mean, you know what? I'm probably not seeing a lot of people this holiday season, so that my shopping too. was pretty easy. Yeah. I ain't going to lie. I got all my stuff literally sitting in boxes behind me right now. I got to finish packing later this evening, or wrapping, I should say. But yeah, I'm pretty much done, I think. One or two things, you know, if I'm out and about and I see something that reminds me of somebody, I might mail them something small, but I'm kind of good to go at this point. You get you, Sometimes, you know, like you said, you get lucky and you're like, I'm not going to run into this person for a while, and by the time I run into them, I'll have had a chance to grab something on clearance sale. Yep, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Now, I'll give everybody a heads up on this episode. We're going to be probably moving pretty quick because there's a lot of different things we're going to talk about on this one. But before we get into that, like always, want you to check out our sponsor over at CoolStuffInc.com. Cool stuff over there. Literally, it's in their name. They have all times of nerd things. Doesn't matter if you want magic, D&D, you want to get some Pokemon stuff. Maybe you want some supplies, you want to buy a gift. Just use code DRAGON when you check out it to save you 5%, and they'll keep supporting the show. So go pay them some love over there. And if you want to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash color magic. And for just a couple bucks, you can help us keep the lights on. And that helps out a whole lot. And of you course, too can adopt a podcaster for only you can. You can adopt someone. two of them. You can adopt two package right. deal. And you can always go to colormtg.com slash shop to pick up some tokens, play mats, and other stuff to help us rep the show when you're out and about. But we're going to try something a little bit different format-wise today, and we're just going to go into our lead story here and talk about layoffs, because those always suck. Uh, but we did see that Hasbro announced a very large number of layoffs, yeah. you know, thousands, uh, as it turns out, across their company. And uh, uh, yeah. What, I think roughly 20% of the workforce, sounds like? Uh, I think if you combine it with the previous layoffs that have happened, the number comes up to like 17%, I think is, is what it is. I, I, I will say this though, for people to understand, like, don't get me wrong. It's still a big number, but obviously since it's only 17%, you know, of everybody that works there, like Hasbro encompasses a lot of different offices and a lot of different people, you know, uh, even just talking about just Wizards of the Coast, Wizards of the Coast itself is over 500 employees plus with just Wizards of the Coast. So if you just need to put in perspective, like, you know, when you think about all the different brands Hasbro owns and all the different offices around the world, like they do employ a lot of people. And they're saying that this is particularly because of slowdowns in the toy market. And of- yeah, I think we <laughs> that, that checks out because I'm just thinking about all the Christmas shopping I did. And, you know, the, the kids just aren't buying traditional toys like that's what happened to Toys R Us, you know, at, at numerous other toy stores is. So electronic things are dominating the market. I I think, too, when it comes to toys, it's either like the most basic of like matchbox cars, that sort of thing. Or like you're saying, it's electronics like there. I don't see a lot in the middle space. Sometimes you'll see a few things for like action figures or whatever. Yeah, but that's kind of it. There's not a lot. It feels like in that middle space that kids seem to want. And that's 
overwhelming. I mean, re- people forget. That's why Hasbro even wanted Wizards of the Coast because their demographic is older, right? Yeah. All the people that Hasbro knows how to market to are parents that have young kids or directly to young kids because that's, you know, it's Peppa Pig, G.I. Joe, you know, like that's that's their market, right? So when that's And I wouldn't even say G.I. Joe appeals to young kids anymore. I remember last time I saw a a young child acknowledge or play with the G.I. Joe. Yeah, well, that kind of leads me to my next point of, I think when, like, people are like, oh, well, you know, when are they going to hire people back? And like, because they did say these layoffs aren't all going to be immediate. They're going to happen over the course of the next year, they said. And that makes sense because I, the reason that makes sense to me is it's very likely going to be a lot of them figuring out new direction for the company, right? Because I think they've also seen over the last couple of years, well, hey, every time we make a Transformers movie, we make a bunch more money, right? Yeah. So you're going to spend money on their, what, AllSpark Studios, I think is what they call it. And then, you know, seeing the thing with Wizards of the Coast, right? You, you did well with the D&D movie. Obviously, licensing it out for Baldur's Gate 3 has done phenomenal for them. So it's like, okay, maybe we need to explore those worlds. However, if they're going to move into that level of business, it's going to require different people and different skills, right? The people you have in the positions now for making toys, marketing toys, making packaging for that stuff, like they're unfortunately not going to be needed if that's the direction they go. But right now that looks like that's where all the money is. Yeah. And they and also the year they had to unload their entertainment studio because, you know, a lot of like, Try to turn magic. Well, we, we as far as we know, there's maybe some kind of magic Netflix show coming, but they at this point they're not going to make the movies. They're going to license the movies out because apparently, even after they did the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which was critically acclaimed, fans loved it. Apparently, that project still lost money. You know, and that's the best thing the company, that's the best thing their entertainment arm ever did. It's the only decent Dungeons and Dragons movie ever, and because you know it takes a lot of money to make and market fantasy movies, they still lost money on that. Yeah, but I do think there is still some benefit to that, that you've at least built up some community favor of saying like, oh, you can make a good fantasy movie. And yeah. that helped market D&D, which has had a banner year, which has been great for them. So I get it, but you're right. With them actually just licensing stuff out, they just don't need as much stuff anymore. Like the directions and the things they've been spending money on just aren't coming to fruition. And it sucks because you don't want to see anybody lose their jobs over it. You know, I, I think they will end up hiring some other people, but I think they're going to be for completely new positions, unfortunately. The crazy part, it also though, It also oh, yeah, is terrible because, again, this is, you know, the, that's, the, the Dungeons & Dragons movie was the dream. We take one of our just established properties that has a built-in fan base, and we make a hit movie. The plan was obviously to do that with Dungeons and Dragons, with magic, with with everything they own eventually. And it's just the they only finally were able to put out a good movie right at the end when they have to sell the whole thing and start laying people off. But you know what though? They do have, I think, an animated Transformers movie lined up down the pipe. They've already talked about doing some Transformers G.I. Joe crossover. Yeah. I think for 2025 or 2026, that's already on the books. We, we've we now officially seen there's at least something on Netflix now for Magic. So, like, that's coming. Like, we've actually made that stage where it's listed now. So, I well, assume... That's the thing. It, it's in post-production. That, that necessarily yeah, we never yeah. sees the light of day. Like, Coyote versus Act. Well, Batgirl, for example, was in post-production. I mean, unless there's a leak, we're never going to see it. Sure. I hope but, there's but a leak. I, I want to say, like, 
in the next year, year and a half, I if it's going to happen, we'll see it. If not, it's if we don't see it by then, it's probably not going to happen, realistically. But you've got some things, at least in the hopper, that could still be profitable over the next year. I think the and concern... I, I, I think with that, like it won't even be their decision. Netflix might say, hey, we're just not going to do it. And if Netflix oh, sure, doesn't sure. want to do it anymore, that's just the thing that happens. It's yeah, sad, but fine. it happens. I, I just think the concern for people is, you know, how does that affect business for Wizards of the Coast going forward? And I think it goes one of two ways. I think people are concerned that, well, it might just be more products, put out more stuff, make more money. I don't know if that's actually going to be the thing because we're kind of nearing that max point already. Like you might be able to, they did say they might be able to do some more like direct to consumer things, but they've kind of already been doing that with whatever the fancy name is they have for the Hasbro shop where they put like rare Star Wars stuff and whatever. So like, I don't think it'd be more magic things. It'd be more stuff like, cause they made like the big job of the hut ship. I think at one point that you could get and like just crazy stuff that you can't sell in a store, but they just sell it directly to fans. So I expect we'll see more of that because that goes well and that's high profit margin because you're selling it directly to consumer. So that wouldn't surprise me. But I wonder if this, you know, put a somewhat of a positive spin on it here. Does this give Wizards the leeway to do more of what they want to do? Right. Because you look at the rest of the company and say, like, hey, these toy lines are struggling, this, that and the other. But every time we do something, it turns to gold. So why don't we get to pitch some of these other ideas and do some stuff outside of the box? Because they already kind of part I hate because Wizards is making record profits. Nobody over there deserved to lose their job. And they're having to take a hit because people aren't buying toys anymore. Yeah. And I was telling people, I think it's going to be a few handfuls, handfuls of folks that are going to lose their jobs at Wizards, which sucks. And it's mostly going to be to kind of play that card of like, well, everybody in the company got hit with layoffs, right? Yeah. Even though it's not really fair. Like, hey, if they're crushing Because yeah, they're at this point, they are hard carrying Hasbro, yeah. as you like to say, in the gaming community. And that's my thing. Like, if they're killing it over here, whatever. Now, business being business, this is also when companies use the excuse to like, some employee they've kind of wanted to let go, but didn't have a good excuse to. You can be like, hey, well, you know, because of layoffs, yeah. you know, like that sort of thing, which sucks, but we know it happens, right? Yeah. So there's going to be some of that mixed into there, too, on some level. Or like you kind of want to let somebody go because you want to change the direction of the department, but it wouldn't be right. Now you're like, ah, because of layoffs. Sorry, we got to let you go. Here's a severance package. And as always, it's it's never the CEOs. It's never executives. It's always rank and file. I will say, though, if you remember, this is years ago now, but like when Nintendo was struggling with the Wii, their CEO took a pay cut. Yeah. He said straight up, like, hey, I'm at the top. I know we're going to turn this around. So, you know, and I think he took like half or something. He took a real pay cut, you know, to make sure they could still operate, keep all their people. And lo and and behold, Nintendo's back and better than ever. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes the dudes get it right, which mildly related. I just saw a story from the dude that's the head of uh, NVIDIA, I think it is, with the video cards. Apparently that dude just lives like normal life. He goes out and eats like street street food and hangs with the locals and, you know, like does little charity things, just whatever. He's just kind of a guy when he's not in like the business suit during the presentations. Which is yeah, because like, you got to figure like you, that's that's somebody where like if he walked up to me right now, I wouldn't know who he was. He probably unless he's wearing, you know, the three piece suit and flanked by his entourage could probably walk around and a lot of play, he, I'm sure he could go get his own groceries. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
So, like, some CEOs are trying to be, you know, yeah. we'll call it men of the people or whatever and have, have some kind of thing. But doesn't happen much with U.S. companies, unfortunately. It's just nature of the beast. So I'm hoping things work out, you know, for all the people that are being released from Words of the Coast. Because, again, I'm agree with you. I think it sucks that if you're killing it and you're doing everything you're asked to do and then some, I get trying to be fair to the whole company. But, like, realistically, it doesn't make sense. You know, same thing back in 2018 or so when I was leaving there and moving to another job, like there was layoffs coming at that point. And the same thing, Wizard was doing well. So it's like, why would they even get hit at all? You know, it doesn't make any sense. But again, it's the fairness that we're all sharing the pain from this, whatever, you know, give give the company whatever speech you want to give. But yeah, definitely made some news. I, I But again, people, I think, jump to the most negative conclusion. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Of like, let's just pump out. Because honestly, we kind of already have the roadmap, right? We already know that Fallout's coming. We already know that Marvel's no. coming. We already, like, so we kind of already know. Do you feel like the, uh, I've seen people refer to kind of the Fortniteization of magic. That is to some extent what this is starting to fit because that's what Fortnite has. It's a pop culture slurry where I think they just announced Peter Griffin as a boss character. It feels like magic is starting to go where like, what, what license isn't in magic? And it kind of feels almost bad that you know that they had to do it this way because well as we established several podcasts ago it just doesn't feel like magic's lore is necessarily a priority but then you know i guess if, if you can't come up with good lore yourself you can buy other people see what you I got mean, but I but we've said from the beginning for as much as people want to try to hold on to the magic lore and make a thing out of it nobody really cares about it and when I say well, nobody, I, again, that's... again, I'm not saying nobody, nobody. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're when you're when you're less than ten percent, it effectively starts to become nobody cares about it for the effort that's going to go into it. But how how much money have they lost because they couldn't figure that out? Like why why did the Magic Games fail? No, who are these people? It's not Jace Beller and it's Jace Beller and his cousin. You know, they just had they had a story that people were interested in. Some of those games might have made some money, and maybe we wouldn't be here. Maybe I, I'm a big, but like, and I feel that way about Baldur's all Gate. Look at Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate has incredible narrative yeah. and, is, and just won like 52 games. Right, right. Those those aren't the same though, because D and D is all about telling a story. Like that's literally the only way for that game to exist. I, magic right? like, could be that. It's just you know, it's not again, happening. Again, we we did this on an episode already. There's only one game ever that seemed to integrate story well, and that was Legend of the Five Rings. Right, like. Everybody else, story exists. Most players can't tell you about the stories in their games. Like, they can do it a little bit for Yu-Gi-Oh! Because at least it has a cartoon. You know, yeah. like, but generally, they can't. Like, it's just not a priority to gamers, unfortunately. It just never or, happened. Or, I guess, to card gamers? Because video games, you kind of almost, unless it's a sports gamer, you almost again, have to have. But again, that's the only way you're engaging with that product. Right? So the story has to carry you through the product. Right? When you're playing Magic, they could basically just be card one, card A, whatever, as long as you have game text effectively, you can play whatever it is and whatever variation you want to do it in, right? It's more about the social interaction and the competition and whatever more than it is of the actual just artwork story, whatever on the cards. But but again, why did they have to go and buy Fallout, you know, Fortnite, insert property here? Because those games have characters that people instantly recognize and connect with. Honestly, though, it's also just you did it and it worked. So you're just going to do more of it. 
right? You did the Godzilla thing and people liked it. So it's like, okay, well, let's try the next thing and let's try the next thing. And all these brands are already built up. Let's do it. And people again, keep buying again, it. They've had, especially cases like, let's say, Fortnite, Walking Dead. Magic existed 20 years before those things. Sure. They, they could have been where these things, that there's no logical reason James Miller it can't be as popular as Rick Grimes. But you you aren't going to get there from just the game. Like you're going to have to get there through movies, television shows, whatever. And they just never invested in it. Like that's it at the end of the day. Now that might change in the future because we do have supposedly a magic Netflix thing coming and we'll see if that's any good, you know, that will change that obviously, but we'll see, right. We got to wait and get to that, that point in the future. But let's hop into some soapbox stuff because last week was a little bit of a weird week, and uh, we have a real big thing to talk about. And this is one where I think we kind of had the same gripe that uh, the the game awards are kind of a mess right now, and I don't know. The only thing I can say is when because I didn't watch the whole thing because it was a long presentation. But the bits I did, I did, God help me. <laughs> hey, good on you. But the bits I saw felt like they just don't have a defined direction. Is is that clear to say? Like, other than we just want to give awards away. Like, well, they're trying to do so many things. They want to be to some extent E three and show you all the cool new trailers. They also want to give away awards, and then of course you know they want to be an awards show and have musical performances and celebrity comedy sketches and just it, it all these things were just kind of mashed together and then well first of all like what what, what all did you wanna because well like I, and i'm with you there honestly because there's times where it's like okay are we trying to like appeal to like the streaming community with like the memes and and the yeah. the skits or whatever or are we trying to celebrate the industry with like, let's celebrate game companies and developers or like you're, you're kind of, you're right. You're trying to do like four things and it just feels weird. But the thing that I got came across my radar. Cause I missed, I saw the very end of it and it's not even a long segment. It's, he was on stage, maybe like three, four minutes, but Anthony Mackie had a hell of a time. First, you don't know he's a dude who plays Falcon and now captain America in the Marvel movies. But it was like he got the weirdest bit of heckling while he was up there because it wasn't even like people are hating him and yelling like racial slurs. But like part of it was people like yelling out catchphrases he said in movies. And like it was just like it was a weird thing. And like and he was trying to like, okay, cool. That's that's I appreciate it. But like I'm trying to do a thing, y'all, you know, and he worked his way through it and kind of like played back to the audience. But you could tell he was a little bit annoyed. But he's he's a professional and he's a good personality. So he's trying to roll with it and make some jokes and whatever. And then when he gets to the end, he just literally has to tell them to shut up so he can read the winners. And I'm just like, what even happened here? Because I didn't see that happen to anybody else. That was say. I think because he was, I feel like, as I said, it was it, it dragged on. I can't tell you exactly what part of the presentation he was, but it felt like he was a couple of hours in, and I think people just were starting to get frustrated that they weren't getting to hear from the game developers because 
So I think it's, I think best RPG was like in, in in other awards just quickly before and especially for the video game RPG is still I know it probably isn't what it was during Final Fantasy's heyday because you know back then it would you would say that was the biggest genre probably by a mile it's not that anymore but it still felt like it was too big to hey in other awards best RPG that's kind of what the whole show was starting to feel like hey what are what are we here for because just the game developers and the people behind the games really didn't get to talk very much. And now, yeah, last year, Kratos ran over. I, th- I think they were trying to let Kratos talk because well, Christopher Judge, by the way, the, the actor that plays Kratos. I think they wanted to to really let him talk because, you know, he's had a great journey. God, God, the war, the, the, the series has had a great case. You know, Kratos has really evolved. The character is a father now. He's far more mature than he was when this game started. They were letting him talk, and I think he clocked eight minutes. <laughs> Basically, oh, no, they were that's like, way too long. I don't care if I even like you. Eight minutes is a long time for, for an award show. Yeah, so this year they went the other way, and they were wrapping people up almost just instantaneously. And then there was one horrible spot where uh, I think it was Baldur's Gate was talking about how Baldur's Gate was their pandemic project where, you know, they, they were getting really into the crux of the work in 2020 and they lost several team members while they were making this game. And this is, honestly, you know, they ended up winning game of the year for anybody that doesn't know. No surprise. And, I assumed it was going to be that or like Diablo 4 or something. Right. <laughs> and th- this should have been a poignant moment, but if somebody's captured it, while he's dedicating this to one of their team members that died, wrap it up is flashing on the screen. It just so. Oh, dude, do they had the frill like Chappelle wrap it up box? <laughs> they basically did. Apparently, even people in the audience could see that. And obviously, that's something like, yeah, somebody, a producer or somebody has to be moving that thing live or just, yeah, okay. Like Kratos last year. Somebody should have wrapped Kratos up. I'm going to keep calling him Kratos. Just being yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. an no, old good. black guy right now. Somebody should have wrapped him up faster. But this year, there were several people that should have been allowed to go. You just, again, somebody's job needs to be to figure out when somebody's rambling. And yes, by or just even if they're a nice person that's a good speech, it's going on too. I remember one year at the ESPYs when uh, Jim Valvano was basically dying of cancer. And uh, they tried to give him the wrap it up. He's like, you tell me to wrap it up. I've got six months left to live. You know, you need to go jump in the lake or whatever. Oh, yeah. And honestly, they would have just caught backlash for the rest of the staff anyway. So you just let them go. Whatever. Yeah. And that was a great moment. And somebody has to be on that button to figure out, you know, when somebody's having a moment or when somebody is talking too long. And, and yes, it's hard to do, but that's part of the job of running an award show is figuring out when you're going to get a great moment or when it's time to cut the commercial break because this person is high, right? Because, yeah, that happens. You know, people are high, people are drunk, or people just can't get their thoughts together. That's part, and it didn't feel like they had anybody that was willing to stand up and, and work that button that way. So they just ended up cutting everybody off. It felt like, again, everybody except, you know, comedians. I think people were complaining, you because know, I love Muppets. The great Gonzo, I think, got two or three minutes to go interrupt it. I mean, it was reasonably funny, he, but that's not really what we're here for. It just, and yeah. as I, all award shows pander to celebrities probably too much, but this was 
part of this is really bad in terms of doing it. Yeah, and even in past years, they've had just a lot of segments that are poorly timed or spacing is weird going in and out of different segments. And, you know, sometimes I'll put a trailer segment together and it's like six trailers in a row. Yeah, And it's like, I mean, these are cool, but dude, I, I, you know, you just showed me like 15 minutes worth of trailers. Like, dog, come on, you know, right? So and then uh, you know Hideo Kojima and Jordan Peele, like I guess they realize, okay, yeah, we're not going to cut off it for everybody that doesn't know. Hideo Kojima and Jordan Peele are working on a game, so I, I'm already excited about that. I understand why they gave them a large amount of time to talk, but it was just even for two legends of the game, they had a long time to talk when they essentially have no product to show you. So it, it, that's one that probably could have been cut a little. Yeah, there's there's just some things they've got to get right. And and it's tough because they're equivalent of like the Oscars for video games. You know, so it's and like the Oscars have all these problems too every year, you know. Yeah. I mean, the Oscars large time is like did you even get a quality host? Right? Like that's also like, that's their biggest yeah, start. Somebody slapped the crap out the host, you know. It's just like, every year it's a new problem for the Oscars. So, we're not trying to just pick on the game awards. People that have been doing it in the Oscars case, a hundred and some odd years still have problems because you're doing it live. Well, to be fair, the Oscars other problem too that people don't realize is those awards are voted on by other actors, directors, whatever. Like it has nothing to do with the general public. Like the fact that it's on TV is just to make money because it has nothing to do with our wants or likes or whatever. It's all from people and, in the industry. And they have been admitting that, oh yeah, I didn't watch Till because it was too depressing. Here's the award yeah. for, you know, insert insert crowd-pleasing movie here that, that made me feel good. Dude, talk to... Oscar So White was just, what, five or six years ago. Dude, there's been full interviews where people have talked about, oh, yeah, we had to spend more on an ad campaign to get more of the people in Hollywood to see certain things, or we had to mail copies to certain studios or whatever, like, just to make sure they could get the vote once they knew they were nominated or whatever. So, like, that whole thing is weird. At least the game awards generally everything that wins or loses you look at and go yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah there were very few awards i mean obviously everybody has different tastes in games and if i were going to make one one quibble about awards obviously other than give the awards more time and let them be read on tv they the, one of the categories is best sports slash racing and to me you know it feels like if if you were gonna if, if Madden going against Gran Turismo, I get it because Gran Turismo is a is a simulation yeah. of an actual F one race. Madden and Mario Kart to me are not the same category. Should not be in the same gaming category. So I'm not saying we need another category for kart racing, but to me, I would just never have Madden and Mario Kart in the same category. But see, I would have put Mario Kart in a party game category because that's what it feels like, right? And that can be another, I mean, like Smash Brothers and yeah. Mario Party and whatever. Like that can go in that category. I, mean, I like, can argue. I, I can see why they picked racing. Because sure. if, if you want to, if you want to put Mario Kart against, say, Gran Turismo, I, I have no problem with that because some people. That's like let's say NFL Blitz going against Madden. I got no problem with that because some sports people games, like yeah. arcade sports games. Some people like Sims. I'm cool with those games, but just. I feel like racing really is, is, is a separate enough genre that it needs its own category. Yeah, I also kind of feel the same way about because you still get like GTA and some of those other yeah. games, like you know, like uh, or I also feel GTA the same way. 
about uh, about sim and strategy. To me, civilization and the Sims, while they're those are two different game yeah. genres for me. I've never been I've never been sitting there going, hmm, Sim Five is still downloading. I guess I'll play the Sims instead. Those don't scratch the same, and I love both of those games, but I would not consider them to be part of the same genre. So yeah. just your nitpicks. There's there's a lot to work out, but yeah, it was just a weird experience watching it this year. Just felt more problematic than normal, I guess, is the way to describe yeah. it. But obviously they've heard all this. It's been a story on on different networks and people have covered it on, on YouTube. So they know they're aware of all the things. It was just weird considering like the actual awards and stuff themselves seemed kind of cool, you know, as mm-hmm. far as the winners and everything. But Let's talk about what did we learn, because there's two very interesting things here that I think a lot of people aren't going to know about, and they're both equally kind of quirky. So why don't you start, because I'm sure this is going to be a fun magic story. Yeah, this one is just uh, kind of weird. Apparently a hacker uh, got his hands on a whole or there whatever robot its hands. I don't know who, who exactly the hacker is, but... They siphoned about $25 million in Ethereum. And then as part of their crazy, extremely elaborate laundering scheme, they spent reportedly about $25 I guess most of the $25 million was on high-end magic cards. And, of course, they still got caught because to spend tw- uh, some part of $25 million in magic cards, you're obviously buying extremely old cards, extremely expensive cards. You're going to set off any number of alarm bells making those transactions. Yeah, it, it's that's a weird one because to get to 25 million, right? Like even if you're buying only power 9, like those are still excessively large numbers. Like and I mean to make talking- sure the transactions, you know, the people would bite, apparently they were paying in some cases five ten percent more on whatever even the incredibly expensive cards were worth yeah and that's already going to look suspicious to a lot of people right like i i feel like we'll find out some of that was maybe even just bulk buying some other products or whatever like just to fill the dollars and move it into paper product other than just high-end stuff but even then let's say even half of it is strictly just high-end stuff that's still a lot of cards on at high end cards. You're still talking twelve and a half million. Yeah. And I mean, even lotuses, I mean, you gotta have a lot of them to even make a million. And the, the <laughs> purpose for the, the purpose for laundering money is you want to do something where people aren't <laughs> gonna pay attention. You want these transactions to go largely unnoticed and good luck dropping twenty five million into any games economy and not having people if you'd spent 25 million in Fortnite skins that's gonna set off honestly though realistically this is one of those things where if the person had just planned it out over the course of like five to six months they could have went to a handful of different vendors or dealers or even shopped online with some people and just said like hey i'm interested in building xyz right or i want to build a complete magic collection i want 4x of everything but I'm going to start by saving my money and getting a bunch of like power stuff because that's going to be the hardest and it's going to increase the most in value. All right, you have a viable story now. Now you just keep going back to those vendors once every two months, three months, four months 
And they're just like, hey, I'm going to pick up these two or three now. I'm going to pick up this one now or whatever. Instead of showing like, yeah, I want two of all these. <laughs> I want five of all I these. I want a guy uh, yeah. the store. I want everything in the store. Yeah, like that's just going to look suspicious, right? When you walk in, you're like. And they're going to tell everybody they know. Even if they don't think it's suspicious, they're just going to brag. Hey, yeah, somebody cleaned up my whole display case. Ooh, and then yeah, everyone's going to talk. Some dude called up to the store and wanted to come visit so he could buy all of our power nine. Like, I mean, it's literally, it's probably what happened, right? So he probably yeah. handed over some, like, you know, maybe a million dollars to just buy somebody's power nine out. Like, you don't think that's going to be weird to some people? And you then they're going to talk to every other yeah. shop owner in the area, and those shop owners are going to talk to you, and then it's going to be. People are be talking about it on, on Magic Podcast. <laughs> but, again, but again, if he'd, have, if he'd have bought a set or even bought like a few pieces at a time from eight or ten different vendors, nobody would have questioned it. Right? Literally. The Quan's not one you to go out and break bad, by the way. We're not trying to give <laughs> crime tips. It's just no, saying. Just saying though, like, this is how criminals get caught, right? They're just greedy. That's how you get caught. Like, that's it at the end of the day. At some point, it catches up with you. And there's no way you can move. 25 million that not only that 25 million that you stole from somebody else right and then just think that you're gonna go make 25 million dollars worth of purchases in a very small window of time and it's not just gonna raise alarm bells like deserve to get caught i brought it on yourself that's what's crazy that the hacking skills apparently were elite the laundering skills were just basic <laughs> yes yeah. And, and what I also don't think people realize is, though that's, I get it, right? He wants to buy cards because it's a harder thing to track, right? And that may be what people are asking. Why didn't you just buy some individual things that are more expensive? If you only show at the end of the year, and I'm talking from U.S. IRS taxes because other countries, y'all handle your taxes better than we do. But at the end of the year, if you show, well, I only made $50,000, but a company says they sold you a McLaren. <laughs> right like you like you only made fifty thousand dollars but somehow you could afford a mclaren right like i got a really good deal yeah you know what i mean so like that doesn't really work right because now you're obviously buying way outside of your means and you still had to pay other bills so it's like how did this happen right so that that's the me. only crime al capone ever got caught for was tax evasion <laughs> you, yeah. gotta, you gotta cover you your the taxes taxes. Right. yep so yeah, that, that's a weird one, but interesting story nonetheless. Uh, there, there is a second component to that though. Like, let's say they decide they don't know how to get all the money back to the proper people. One of two things is probably going to happen: either you you resell the assets to try to make everybody whole, or give somebody some percentage of the assets that he bought or whatever to try to make up for the money that he hacked from their crypto accounts. Or that stays in police custody for some amount of time as evidence while all this. Can is you imagine involved? what that would do to the price of those cards if $25 million worth of magic cards is just well, in custody for a specific amount of time? Here's the silly thing I think it's going to have to come down to us finding out what those numbers are. And yeah. I'll use uh, what was the card? There was a, a Nexus of Fate, it was a preview card or a, a buy a box card that had come out with one of the core sets and ended up being like a really popular card for, for a tournament deck at the time. And the price shot up to this crazy amount, right? And I remember telling people, because this is when I was still at Wizards, 
I was telling people, hey, that price isn't real. It's all perception because people don't understand that when there's one per box minimum that's been printed, that's more than a lot of the rares and mythics in the actual set. You know, right? When you when you do the production numbers. So that was like a weird thing. And and the day Rosewater he had posted online about that, the price dropped from being like near 70, 80 bucks down to like $25, $30. Like literally in the matter of hours. That MF right there is not but it, real. But the thing is, the quantities didn't change. The perception of the quantity changed, right? And this is kind of the same thing. Like the number's not gonna go up tomorrow on like lotuses and mox whatevers, but if we find out that this dude has a hundred of the remaining lotuses in a locker now in some jail or, you know, 5,000 moxes or whatever, well, now we all know how many fewer are on the market, right? So there's going to be some weird things in play as this gets resolved. I don't know how it's going to affect anything, but it is something interesting to think about. Uh, mine is a little weird. My, my, my thing today is more of a... Uh, I, can't really call it a conspiracy theory. Uh, it's it's not really a cryptid because it's 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 a <laughs> I don't I don't know how you describe this. Like, but if you've ever been around on the internet, mostly on either gaming or sports things, are the only times I've seen this. But in the comment section, you're getting people saying like, "Oh, well, you should all follow Awaken Beerus because." He knows about this type of stuff or Awaken Beerus warned us that sports were rigged and he already knew the final scores. Or I don't know why people are wasting time on this because Awaken Beerus already told us who was going to win or whatever. And I'm like, who is this Awaken Beerus? Right. Cause I've never seen as much stuff as I've covered and watched or whatever. I've never heard of this person, but I've seen this name pop up a couple of times over the last, I don't know if it's been a whole year, but over six months, but it seems like it ramped up a little bit the last couple of months. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go on a deep dive in this rabbit hole and see who this Awaken Beers person is. So I literally start checking all the different social media platforms. So I'm looking on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Nothing I found had more than like six to eight posts total. Some of them only had like one. Like there's a YouTube channel for Awaken Beers. That has like one video. And I'm like, this is weird. And it's not even like any of the things have a huge view count, right? It's not like... Awaken Beerus is this person who's getting like millions of views on these particular things that are posted. Some of them had very small numbers and some of the social media accounts only even had like a few handfuls of followers. So I'm like, what even is this? Now, the Instagram account at least showed some sports book tickets where a couple of them had a couple of like $100,000 bets that looked like they were for maybe UFC fights or something. And then there was a couple of smaller ones for a few hundred to a thousand or something for soccer games, right? And it was showing the winning tickets or whatever. And that was kind of it. And there was like a pseudo-related video on, on YouTube. And I think there was like one or two things posted on, on Instagram. But that's all I could find. So I started asking around. And I'm looking on stuff on Reddit and whatever. And it's kind of the same thing. The people on Reddit are just like, I don't know. It's just like this weird internet thing, but there's not really a person or personality attached to it. So it almost seems like somebody has paid some number of bots or services or people to do this like, <clears throat> excuse me, viral social campaign, but for no benefit. So I don't really get it. Like, what's the purpose? 
if there's no payoff. Because my thing was, I was trying to find out, like, all right, is this somebody who's just has one of these predictor sites or they're trying to get people into DFS so they can go bet <laughs> on, like, DraftKings? Or, you know what I mean? Like, trying no. to build up their stature so people would pay them money to try to go make bets or something. But, yeah, it's just a weird thing. And, and it's spelled Awaken, just like you would expect. And then no. Beerus, B-E-E-R-U-S, like Beer Us. Just like the Dragon Ball Z character, because that's where the meme yeah. comes from. But yeah, just Awaken Beerus. That's the username, or, well, the character name. I don't know what we even call it. It's not a person. There's not a thing. But yeah, it's a weird thing. It's it's inter- becoming internet culture to the point that I'm starting to think that some people are just posting things to be part of the Awaken Beerus. Exactly. Thing, even though they don't even know what Awaken Beerus is. They like, just, did you see the, the Zapota thing that started trending on TikTok a few months ago? No. Somebody made, I think it was a musician, made up a fake horror movie to promote their, their music account. And it worked. People just, for about two or three weeks, all anybody was talking about on social media was, you look just like that girl from that movie, Zapota. And people had agreed on these, oh, yeah, remember the chainsaw scene? And it was all fake, man. So there were two kinds of people, people that are either in on the joke or people literally going and searching, what is Zapota and why have I never heard of it before now? Interesting, because I'd seen where they'd started programming bots to have conversations with each other. So, because I've even seen that on my own YouTube stuff, where once I realized it, I let it run for a bit. And it was like, oh, this person, this bot's commenting on that bot. And they're just like responding, replying to each other throughout the thread, which is so crazy. But Skynet is self-aware, people. (laughs) Yeah, that's where we are now. So it's, it's a very weird thing. But... Since we're running a little long, like I expected, let's go ahead and hop into some of these topics. Yeah, this first one's one we could agree with, even being guys, but Black Girl Gamers on their uh, Twitter feed has started a conversation to raise awareness for game companies to add different skin tones. Because, you know, their argument was like, hey, we keep seeing you trying to include black women in your games, but they kind of all look the same. We, you mean black people have more than two skin tones? Wait, bro, we make jokes about light skin and dark skin black people. So I mean, we know there's different tones. <laughs> like, right? Like, why do within they within the same family? The same? There's oh, sure. about three different skin tones in the people in this house. Oh, bro, <laughs> like me, immediate family. Oh yeah, me and my family are all different tones. Yeah, like everybody. So, but that, yeah, video games are sadly really uniform about that. Yeah, and not just, I mean, Blacks, Hispanics, I, you know, Native Americans, whatever, they, we come in different tones, right? And especially if you're going to do scenes of creating characters, like, let's say, just in a cityscape, right? Like, you shouldn't be able to look through escape and be like, oh, look, that's a Black person, that's a Black person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there should be some levels. Blackface number three. Yeah, right exactly. There. Like, there should be a little variety to it. So, Mad it, three about that where there might be three or four facial models and yeah about two or three skin toads too yeah and and to their credit black girl gamers is very a very good group like they do a lot to push yeah. a lot of different things we talked about them you know celebrating a recent anniversary and number of people in their group so like they're killing it over there and this isn't about just like being woke or whatever this is more of those things of just like hey if you're gonna do it like yeah don't just courtesy do it like put real thought into it 
you know, I that think- might actually mean you have to hire a couple of black people to work in your design team or help you create textures and things. God forbid. Hell, I I, know. I think some people in Black Girl Gamers actually have been consulted for that. Yeah, yeah. And and you know as well as I do, like, we both have friends and family, you know, Black, Hispanic, whatever, that are almost white passing. Yeah. You know, and we've, there's, I have, an Hispanic friend talks all the time about having the privilege of being able to walk around like a white person. You know, like, because they're just that light skin. So, like, there are levels to all of that. But I have a I have a white friend who just for whatever reason people in here in Texas think she she looks Hispanic and she has had so many dudes try to holler at her thinking she's Hispanic. She actually learned a little bit of Spanish just by guys. Hey, dude, Bobby, how you doing? I've met a couple some 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 white folks tan real well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, they they look the part. So yeah, I, I think we're reaching that point now that especially with just the consumer base being so diverse, like just take that into account when you're doing stuff. Right. And honestly, even for white people, not not all white people look the same. Like you can have different hairstyles, different skin tones, you know, different facial structures. Like, especially when you're already, hell, we have all these games. I'll let you do all these different models for your face and hair. Like just why not add the extra options? And I'll, and I'll tell you, if you want to get engagement in your game and get people for, for the games where you actually can design realistic looking people, my wife will spend 10 hours in the character creator just trying to make her girl look right. Dude, okay. Dude. Haven't played the game yet. Baldur's Gate 3 even has the feature where like you could have different levels of like the vitiligo or whatever. Right, See? like even that was a thing, and I'm like, that's cool. You that know, is, that's awesome. Something I would have never even thought to include, but I'm like, when I saw it, I went, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, like the, like this is gonna be neat for some people. Like they can I have got characters some spots like, like on my neck, and I'd have never thought of that. Yeah, like you said, it's just a cool feature that's in there. And again, you're talking about a game that because people can go make all these characters and have people that look like them, whatever, easily game of the year, right? After all mm-hmm. that, so. There's benefits to it. Cool that there's somebody out there championing it. But uh, let's talk about another game that we brought up on the show earlier this year. Coyote and Crow is back in the news. For those who don't know what that is, that's an RPG that's based on indigenous people, which is actually pretty damn cool because there wasn't one really before that that had any type of level of real development and popularity. And they ended up winning the Diana Jones Game Award, which is pretty cool. Just uh, kind of an award for gaming excellence. And in this case, kind of like changing the landscape a little bit. Almost like a, I don't know if I'd call it dystopian, but futuristic world that uh, has the core characters have indigenous heritage as the main protagonist, I guess, of their stories that you get to play, which is actually really cool. And dude, it's one of those games where like the artwork's really sweet it's got the bright colors you would expect it to have. Obviously, the different looking skin tones and hair and just the the cultural uh, importance of things, you know, with like the different types of face paint and whatever, like just cool all the way through. Like, it's a really neat product. If you haven't seen it, you should pick it up. But this is what we're talking about just, you know, letting as opposed to having somebody that doesn't have that heritage try to design indigenous characters that sound like they've never even met an indigenous person this is what can happen if you actually 
let people design their own thing using their own culture. Yeah. And also, I don't, I think one of the things, because this has come up on our show before where people are like, well, I don't know if I'm the target audience or not. Like, I don't think this is about, you know, in the case of Coyote and Crow or our show, isn't about having a target audience. It's about just having something where people can experience that from people of that background, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so maybe you've been curious about learning more of that culture or that heritage or whatever. It's like, okay, cool. Now they have an RPG with a bunch of the stuff fleshed out so you can go play it. And maybe you'll learn something afterwards from, from messing around with it. Like, but it's not just for colored people to go buy or indigenous people to go buy. Like everybody can buy it and play it. Yeah. It's just having representation on the shelf. The same way that like, if we go buy a game that's got white people in it, it doesn't mean like right? black people can't play it. It's just yeah. a different perspective. I've played, I think, every Spider-Man game they've put out, and he just became black here in the past what, nine, ten years. Yeah. I played 50 Peter Parker games before this, and I loved most of them. For sure. You know, but again, even with Spider-Man, that's at least one of the things that, uh, what's his name, Stan Lee talked about, right, is he wanted Spider-Man to be masked so everybody could feel like they could be Spider-Man. Yeah. You know, which is such a really like poignant thing to say back right. when Spider-Man was was being created. Yep. That just resume says, I want a full mass because I want yep. people to be able to see themselves as Spider-Man. Like And then it, that becomes a part of, you know, Miles' is speech and all that. Anyone can wear the mask. You can wear the mask. <laughs> yeah. Know? But but think about that. Even back then, he knew the like cultural climate on racism or whatever. Yep. And says, like, well, we can't just it's gonna be hard for us to just push us full black character as the lead but what especially if, if you don't have him being named black spider well yeah <laughs> or black panther but, you gotta but, be dead. black's gonna be in his name but what if we make a character that everybody could see themselves in just the same right like that's that's a pretty smart move but yeah coyote and crow congratulations like this is one when i saw their kickstarter and all the stuff they were putting into it i was just like yeah. man this has a chance to be a really good product right like and that's exactly what happened yeah, sometimes you just know. Like I said, I've seen enough things come and go that I saw that one and went, this one, this is the one. You know, right? This, this is the one people are going to talk about. This is this is why we put that spotlight on people who otherwise might not have gotten it. And yeah, like you said, they completely knocked it out of the park. Yeah, so congratulations to them again. Uh, but I will say, for as much as we start out with bad news on the show with Hasbro, there's actually some good news. So. A couple of weeks ago, Wizards of the Coast announced that they were going to actually award three women uh, prizes and mentorship to help raise the status of women in game development and creation, which I thought, cool, awesome move, especially from one of the biggest in the industry. Definitely. And they really put real effort behind it. They picked three women and gave them, like, it wasn't even just like an award. They gave them each 10K. So they got like a real chunk of money. And get some instructional mentorship time or whatever with uh, Hasbro Corporate, which is actually pretty cool. And one of the women they selected was actually the creator of Wingspan, which was even so more awesome. She just get, she can just get tired, right? Because Wingspan has won so many awards. That at some point, this got to end with her getting a full-time job at <laughs> Hasbro slash Wizards. I'm assuming. Dude, I don't know that for a fact, but it just seems like... I'm going to say this. like As somebody who's literally seen played demoed tested i i don't know if i feel like if i said a thousand games at this point that's probably an under 
statement. <laughs> Same here. Like Wingspan is actually really, really good. Like, is that her first project? Do you know? That I don't know. I don't know her well enough, to be honest. But And I'm, I'm guessing it must be pretty early in her career if she's getting a mentorship yeah. award. So I But man, that game is it's good. It it plays quick, it plays differently than a lot of other games. Educational as it teaches you a lot about different birds and you know food systems or whatever among animals, like all kinds of stuff. Like, and it's just colorful, the artwork's good, like it's literally one of those games I played, and after the first time, I went, man, there's not even a lot to critique on this game. Like, I don't even know right. if I'd want to change much of anything. Like, that, like there's some small nuances about how, like, the turn flows, maybe, but that's, like, super nitpicky. Yeah. <laughs> like, and again, we're two people that professionally criticize things, so there's nothing that we want to change. You know? Yeah, it's, it's a real good game. So it's cool. You that did that thing. It's very cool she got acknowledged, because it's like, Hey, you're out here doing some things. You've created one of the best games of the last board games of the last like five years. Like you deserve to be recognized and like, Hey, let's give you some tips and some instruction maybe helps you get to your, your next level. And you're right. It may even, a lot of times companies do stuff like this because it does help them find future employees. You know, here we are talking about them having to do layoffs, change the direction of the company, whatever they might reach out to somebody like that and say, Hey, obviously you've got an eye for it. Maybe they bring her in, talk to her about some things and say, Hey, we have this other creative idea. We'd love to have you lead it. You know? <laughs> so who knows? Maybe it's an opportunity for her, but I thought that was really cool for them to just acknowledge that, Like, Hey, we don't, cause we talk about all the time in the, in the yep. STEM world, we don't have enough women, right? That's just a known thing, but also in gaming, we don't have a lot of women, especially in lead positions. Yeah. So for them to reach out, say, hey, we're going to give you some money just because like you've earned this part and we're going to give you some extra skills and instruction to help you get to whatever level you're trying to get to. Like, that's pretty cool. And I, and I don't know if this we've talked a, about. It can yeah. be intimidating just even for a woman to go into a gaming store, because I've heard so many stories where a woman will go into a store and, you know, it's the same click sitting in the corner. Maybe somebody says hi to her. Maybe they don't, you know, it's just zero. So it, it can be very intimidating and very hard to even begin to get into the space. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, one thing I would say, though, is I don't know if this is going to be yearly, but I hope that it is. Yeah. Because uh, other than like scheduling the time, which can, believe it or not, be difficult sometimes, <laughs> you know, to when you if and I don't know if this is all done on Zoom or if they're flying them in or whatever. I don't know the details on that. but. Other than scheduling the time between them and the company or whoever's going to be their their mentor or whatever, the prize money is nothing for them. You know, you're giving away thirty thousand dollars. Like that's not even a rounding error for Hasbro, right? But it still means something to the women. You know, like it's ten k is still ten k. Yeah. But to the company, whatever. So I hope they do continue to do this because this is a very important effort. I think if we're trying to get more women into gaming and game development. But that brings us to the dinner table, and I don't know how we want to go about this as a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are the best. We're like, how yeah. do we start on that? How do we want to approach this? Yeah, because we... here's the thing: there has been a history, a long history, of players showing up to events, tournaments, whatever 
with questionable attire. Like, there was a stretch where we even had judges just tell people, hey, you have to turn your shirt inside out or whatever because it has some dumb phrase on it or, you know. Or na- a na- basically naked anime woman or something. Yeah, you know, play mats with the, with the anime boob girls with, like, barely a string bikini or whatever covering, covering the nips, right? Yeah. They're like, dude, you can't play with that, whatever. Like, so this isn't new that this is happening. However... Last week, people started talking about a guy apparently showed up to a major tournament and was wanting to rock his uh, MAGA gear. And that made a lot of people feel some kind of way, which I don't disagree. <laughs> yeah. And I think, it, 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 as we talked about it before the show, if you wear that hat, you're expecting, or this is what you got to expect a reaction. Here, that's not something that's going to go unchallenged. Okay, let me at least said it this way that if that same person had walked in wearing a hat with a Nazi logo then I think that would have warranted immediate action right because we all know what Nazis represent the MAGA hat is kind of closer to the the line right but I don't think it quite goes over yet now don't get me wrong the way some of the Nazis and yes this is a little bit political but the way some of the Nazis adopt some of the MAGA statements and gear, they may be synonymous at some point in the future. Currently, but as, as for right now, currently they is, are not. By the this is the, the main way. this is the mainstream view of one of the two yeah. major political parties in the United States. Yeah. So as of now, they are not. So I don't think the judges or organizers are required to have that person change or remove that gear. Now, that doesn't mean that me as a patron would not have some real opinions about the person wearing it, <laughs> just being real. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure that person feel the same way if I had some, I don't know. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, exactly. Like Or, or Biden 2024 or something. Or whatever, and that's right? what like, a lot of people are comparing it to. It's like, how does this compare to a Black Lives Matter? Because if you ask, you know, I think that's... There, there are people on the right side that will say they consider Black Lives Matter a terrorist group. Yeah. Well, that's that again. Not me. That, that's what pe- some people on the right with. And by the same token, there are plenty of people on the left who will say that the MAGA hat and the Nazis and the swastika are completely synonymous. And that's stuff that that, that no. hasn't really been hashed out at, uh, at Wizards of the Coast, per se. Because what is it? What, I guess what what do you know what what is the letter of the policy on changing offensive material? What how do they no, go you about? Just walk up to them and tell them to change it. If they don't, they don't get to participate. That's it. But I'm saying, like, how do they pick what's considered offensive? Has that been? Uh, I I think it's I've never seen it questioned because every time something's been offensive, everybody kind of went, yeah, we know. Like you know what I mean? Like it's literally been. You know, you're wearing anime movies or or, or something that just has cuss words on it or whatever. Like, you know, it's like, dude, some of this is going to be on camera. People are taking pictures for promotional purposes. Like everybody kind of knows. Right. It's never really been something to my knowledge. Anyway, that's had to be seriously contested because it's every and even in events I've run every time we've asked somebody, even the offending person like started to want to say something and they're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, like you like you knew you were toying the line. You were just hoping somebody wasn't going to say nothing. Right. That's and fine. to me, I would have a different opinion. Like, so let's say, okay, MAGA hat is one thing. 
let's go Brandon would be different because the the even you know in the Republican Party the translation for let's go Brandon is F Joe Biden. So yeah. at that point, I would consider that to be offensive. And it's also weird too. Just just the climate of everything makes it kind of awkward, you know. Yeah. So like. But I, I get where people were bothered. I get why people would say, hey, I don't want to participate if this person's in the event. Like, nothing wrong with any of that. Like, I totally get it. No. But I think it comes also, it says a lot more about the person wearing it. Because you are doing it specifically, likely to incite an emotion. Right? And... If that's the case, you can't really be that upset if people are bothered by it because it's kind of the whole reason you're doing it. You know, and I think that's the weird thing to bring that into that space of a gaming event, of a tournament. Like, that's not really the vibe you want to be giving off. And it's got to be weird for this dude's like friends or family or whoever's yeah. hanging out. You know what I mean? Like, it, like, is that really the place? Like, no matter how I feel politically about anything or whatever, like, I'm not trying to lead with that at a convention. You know, I'm not going into a tournament like, so what's your stance on X, Y, Z? Or what do you know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. it's just, it's weird. I like, it just, why? Like, I, even if I support a certain politician or whatever, I'm like, I'm not going to wear that gear to a tournament. Like, why? Like, what are we achieving by doing, like, what are you, other than again? Well, would you wear a Black Lives Matter shirt to a tournament? Because that's a political statement too. But it's a political statement we would probably both agree with. Now, but then once we go outside, there there are people who would on, on the right Believe who would not, consider that equally offensive to a tournament. Probably not for me. I probably would. I'll be honest. I haven't, but I would. That's not been any kind of conscious choice that I've made to yeah. not do it. That's just I've never reached for it on tournament day. I think. Think about it like this on a lighter note. Like there's some places and things I do where I will not wear my Dallas Cowboys gear. Right. You that's know what I mean? Like, like I know if I'm gonna go, like I'm like let's say when I was going to uh, Pax Unplugged, which is in Philadelphia. Oh, well, yeah. I, I did not that. pack any of my Dallas Cowboys jackets or gear or hoodie, right? So, because, like, I just didn't even want to have those conversations, right? I didn't even want to bother with it, whatever. Like, I, like it wasn't the time or the place. Now, if I'm just hanging out with some friends who happen to live there, well, okay, cool. Then we can do it and whatever. We have that conversation, whatever. But, like, a I'm place- a Saints fan for the most part. We're For both of our history, we've been terrible. People don't care. Yeah, I, I say, can wear like, the Saints jersey everywhere and nobody. True. There's a handful of teams you can just like, for a long time, if you were like a Bengals fan, like you nobody, right. like we just felt bad for you. We just buy you a drink because yeah, you came yeah. into the bar. Like, you know. I, I, I might get negative feedback in Atlanta. <laughs> That's probably the only place where there'd be any pushback. Yeah. <laughs> that is a thing though like i I have considered that when i've traveled like do i want to bring and that's understandable because because philly fan will punch you in the face that's the thing that that has happened i I saw philly fans tp a kid in a wheelchair like right no f's about nothing like for real but like i said that's kind of in that same vein without being political of, and now that I think about it, I mean, I have, you know, more political stuff. The, the, I guess maybe subconsciously, I just always reach for the the, the the Marvel Comics shirt before I go to a tournament. So I guess I've 
maybe center myself without realizing I centered myself. Because I don't think I ever have worn anything that'd be politically. <laughs> yeah, but again, if you're just wearing yourself, you're going out shopping, you're going to a barbecue, hanging out with some people, like, cool. I'd probably wear it and not even think anything of it. Like, if I'm running errands around town, like, I'm I'm effectively in Seahawks country. But, like, yeah. if I'm just running to the store, I'll grab one of my jackets that has a Dallas Cowboy star on it or whatever, not even care. You know, but if I'm going to something that's going to be Seahawks-centric, it'd be kind of weird. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like just, I, I'd be, I'd be walking in starting on a negative front, right? Like why even do that to yourself? So it, it's sort you of, you got to earn credits. You got to earn credits so, back right? just to come through the door. Right? But but that's kind of the way I viewed this though, right? You're walking into a space that you know is just going to be causing tension with that. Right. Like, eh, like, sure. I get it. You believe in it. Yeah. I'm a supporter of the Dallas Cowboys or whatever, but like, if you if you that's what you want, then cool. You know damn well what you're doing going into it, right? Now, if the player is doing this because he's trying to get under people's skin or whatever, like that says more about you as a player and as a person if you feel you need to do that. But I, from a competitive standpoint, while I disagree with the statement the hat makes, I also kind of go... Yeah, some people always looking for a competitive advantage, however it comes. You know, I don't agree with it, but I get it. So you think this is going to reach a point where Wizards are going to have to say something about political statements on shirts or hats? or? Uh, it could eventually get to that point. Because I would assume the statement will be just no political slogans. Because I mean, you can't do it to yeah, one side yeah, and yeah. not do it to the no. other side. And that, and that would be the right play, honestly, of just saying, like, hey, no political statements, right? And then we'll have to have the conversation eventually of like what borders on a political statement, right? Like if somebody were to come in with, I'm trying to think of an example off the cuff here, but uh, climate it, change is real. Yeah, would, something would like that, or political statement, or I'm even even less obvious than that. Let's say somebody comes in with something. I don't know what the design would be, but it has an obvious rainbow on it, and the thing or company is a supporter of the LGBT community, right? Like. The shirt itself isn't a political statement. It's just a thing that happens to be represented of a company and a I rainbow like it, 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 it technically is because believing believing that, you know, that p- people have the right but, to gay but, marriage is a political stance. But then that would it, become To me, question. it shouldn't be controversial, but to some people it is. But here's the thing, though, right? So if we do a logo of our play mat, right? We, we put it on there, but it's in a rainbow pattern. Does that become a political statement? That's I see. see I, I wouldn't envy the person of Wizards that has to make that decision. That's we we may get to that point. That's where it becomes a tough thing of like, what is a true political statement, right? Does it say like it has to mention a party, a person? Does it have to be a slogan that a political group uses? You know, something like that, more than just the iconography even being it, right? Because like. At that point, if you have the the elephant or the donkey on a thing, is that too much for you to be able to wear or not? Or have that button or pin on or whatever, right? So, like, it, it's a weird thing. And, and eventually, we probably will get to that point at some point if this keeps up. But well, it, One of the best ways I saw somebody get around this was, okay, you know, it, it's election time. And obviously, as like let's say a city employee, you're not supposed to endorse anybody. So happened one of the candidates for mayor, his name was Green, and 
And that's who a lot of the city employees wanted to win. So everybody just started wearing shirts and stuff that said, go green. But it was it wasn't designed for him. It was go green in terms of recycle everything. But just all of a sudden, the city employees started showing up. With, and I mean, people were ticked because it was obvious what was happening. But it wasn't it wasn't for me as a campaign officially. It was just, hey, go green. It's important. Yeah. See, and then that's mm-hmm. the tough part. Until you know that that statement is adopted by a person or a party, it's not a political statement. Yeah. Right. So and that, that and they ran that through the election. I did a story on it, and again, nobody could prove what they were doing, even though we kind of all knew what they were doing. See, that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, there will be things like that that you have to kind of figure out, and it's like all things in life. Like we we until it becomes an issue, you haven't had to explore it yet to understand what that yeah. is. But and it may become nothing. This may be a moment in time where one or two people do it because they think they're going to be something, and then it becomes nothing and whatever which is the hope but yeah i don't know i'd be interested to know what that person's mindset even is not not even to just like pick them apart but just like what was your reasoning for even really wanting to do it other than just incite negativity right because that can't be good for you for making friends or getting invited to other things or getting other top players to work with you. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of negativity that's likely to come from it. So like what were his, and in some cases it's not even that they disagree with you politically. They just don't want to go have people, you know, having long, they don't want to have this discussion every time they sit down to play match. And that's what I'm saying. They might agree with you politically, but they just don't want that to be what's going on at their, at their magic table. That's why it's good to strap from their mission. That's why I'd want to know though. Like what was your hope or intention from wearing that? versus all of these other things because you know if the person believes enough in their conviction of whatever this was going to bring then like hey more power to you but are you even aware right of all these things that come with that as well but and and as you said i don't know how you could not be aware that's a controversial political statement oh i don't think it's that but i'm saying like maybe they don't understand all the implications that follow from that right like i'm saying like even just hey you're trying to qualify for a thing but other top players or companies or wherever and be like, yeah, we're not working with you or sponsoring you regardless because we know that you're willing to create this type of negativity. Regardless of whether we agree with your statement or not, you don't have the social awareness that we want to work with or support, right? And I don't think people think to that next level sometimes. And that that was the stuff I'd want to talk to that type of person about. Of like, hey, despite how you feel about politics, are you aware of all these other things that you're possibly costing yourself? Because a lot of people aren't, sadly. And and they just don't know any better. They don't know to even think that that's a thing. You know? But all right, Brian, let's wrap things up there because we are definitely over time. But that was some good conversations yeah. today, though. We had, if, if this was a week where we were almost go- just going to run over. <laughs> yep. So why don't you everybody where they can find you on social media? Right. I am Brian Sonic, still on Twitter or X or whatever it's called, and uh, Instagram. Yeah, I'm pretty much on all the social platforms as Power Dragon, P O W R D R A G N. And man, keep a lookout. We got a lot of stuff still coming down the pipe. Uh, if you're listening and you don't catch another episode, happy holidays. Otherwise, wherever you're watching or listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. Remember to be awesome, and most importantly, be awesome to each other. 
If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base.